Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. I want to take a second to talk about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped.com. It contains the Lawnmower 4.0, an all-new skin-safe electric trimmer, the Weed Whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Reserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, Crop Reviver, ball spray toner, Magic Mats, disposable shaving mats. It also contains two free gifts, the Shed, which is a travel bag to keep everything in, and Manscaped Boxers, anti-chafing boxers. Go to manscaped.com right now and use promo code HEYBARTENDER at checkout and get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. You can't beat that. 20% off plus free shipping. It's coming up on Christmas time. It would be the perfect gift for that man in your life. Or if you just need it for yourself, just so you can feel a little bit better, a little bit more secure, go to manscaped.com and use promo code HEYBARTENDER to get 20% off plus free shipping. Go there today. Hey, bartender, pass me a drink. A reason that I'm here is I need time to think. All the ways of the world. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I am your bartender for the evening. I am the dude. Or you can call me Anthony. I'm cool with that, too. You know, we, I mean, we've gotten to know each other quite a bit in the last few years. I hope everybody's doing well. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. I haven't even started my Christmas shopping yet, but that's how I always do it. I, you know, as soon as I get a day off and I have a chance to go to the stores or, or get on my cell phone and order something off Amazon, then I'm pretty much off to the races. As long as I do it you know, the week before Christmas, I think I'm doing just fine. But before we get everything started, we got to do like we always do. We got to start off with the drink special here, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, this week's drink special, I pull off HeyDullBog.com. Dullblog. HeyDullBlog.com. That's what it is. And I found this drink, and it's called Mean Mr. Mustard. Now, uh, there's a reason why I chose this drink, and I'm not too sure about it, but you guys can give it a shot and see what you think about it. Mean Mustard. Mean Mr. Mustard goes like this. It is two parts vodka or gin, your choice, chilled. One stuffed olive, you rim the glass with yellow mustard and serve in a martini glass. Yeah, I hope your customer really likes mustard. Uh, but there's a reason for that. If you give that one a try, please let me know. Uh, I would love to know how that went down. Uh, and Because uh, it, I don't know, the mixture of uh vodka olive and mustard that sounds awful interesting but somebody was really reaching to make something uh that themed and you know what the theme is the beatles that's right people i want to talk about the beatles tonight i mean you guys uh have probably followed me around long enough where you guys know i'm a beatles fanatic and I've told you guys, I've warned you all on numerous occasions that if you ask me any questions about the Beatles, 
guarantee you are in for at least, at the very least, a half hour long lecture. And, you know, I watched the Disney Plus series, Let It Be, or Get Back. Uh, and first of all, it's amazing. If you are not a Beatles fan, you might be after you watch that because uh, the movie, the footage that they finally released to make that movie is incredible and it's everything I wanted it to be, everything I've wanted to know. And the reason why I'm going to bring it up with you guys on this podcast is because uh, you pretty much know me as talking about bar stories. And there's, uh, when I'm behind the bar, there were customers that I used to enjoy talking to. All they wanted to do was talk about rock and roll or all they knew that I knew how to talk about was rock and roll. So I would often get together with them and we'd talk about music trivia, various bands, various eras. And uh, the Beatles came up a lot. And we used to share stories. We used to talk about our favorite songs, our favorite albums. And I want to talk to you guys about the Disney Plus series, The Beatles Get Back, like I would talk about it with my bar customers who uh, would talk about rock and roll with me. So I won't go into a huge deal, but this is basically how I'm going to, I would break it down for anybody who would want to sit and talk about it with me when they're at the bar. First of all, I want to apologize with the way this sounds. I'm not recording in my usual location. My day job has me working late at night and I've been wanting to record this for a long time. So I bought my, brought my recording equipment to my day job with me. Nobody else is around and I got nothing to do except talk to you guys. And I like talking to you guys. So imagine if you will, you just came into my bar after watching uh, the Beatles get back. Or you just heard about the Beatles Get Back and you want to get my opinion on it. First of all, you walk up and I'll say, okay, are you sure you want to talk to me about this? Because it might take a while for me to uh, get everything out because I loved it. I loved every second of it. And you're like, yeah, it's dead tonight. You're like one of three customers. One's playing Golden Tea. And the other one is playing video poker and you come up to the bar and so you decided that I would be good company. And the best way to keep um, keep me talking, talk about music. So you bring up the Beatles and I tell you that the Beatles Get Back movie is incredible. First of all, from a musician standpoint, now I have a, a small history of being in bands I've played music pretty much all my life. I never got to the talent that I always dreamed about. I uh, got to play with a lot of really cool bands, and there were many, many scenes in there that I could relate to. First, I'll talk about their situation. They've just gotten back from hanging out with the Maharishi, and they found out that Brian Epstein died. And who Brian Epstein, for you, you people that don't know, was the Beatles' manager. And he pretty much told the Beatles, you know, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, you're going to wear suits. You're going to smile every time you finish playing on stage. You're going to bow, and then you're going to immediately leave the stage. He pretty much set them on the road that they were about to head on uh, in the early days. But unfortunately, during their time in the Maharishi, he passed away. So they come back to England, and... Little do they realize that uh, at first 
they talk about it almost in the first 15 minutes of the movie that they really didn't know what to do because Epstein wasn't there anymore. Epstein, uh, uh, Epstein, somebody else. Um, Epstein told them what to do how, and kept them on track. And they realized early on with this project that they were just about to plan to do that they really didn't know what they were doing, but they kind of had an idea of what they wanted to do. And so we move on and they all of a sudden decide, okay, here's what we want to do. We're, we want to write 14 new songs and we want to perform them live and record, uh, record the performance live. And, you know, so they decide to take themselves out of their usual spot in Abbey Road Studios and go to a movie studio. And they didn't really realize that they were completely out of their element. And it was just, you know, they, in my mind, this is just basically my opinion right here. In my mind, they took themselves out of their element because they were used to writing in studios or writing by themselves. And they put themselves in a gigantic warehouse, sort of, that is reserved to um, make movies and set design and stuff like that. And they sit down and say, okay, we've got to write 14 songs within the next two, three weeks so we can perform them live in front of an audience. Because at that point, the Beatles hadn't performed live in front of an audience for like three years. Now, the original 1970 movie, Let It Be, it showed a ton of footage of the Beatles not getting along. And they pretty much used every clip of drama that all the footage that they took up while the Beatles were doing these sessions, they used every bit of drama they possibly could to make that movie back in 1970. You know, movie studios do that sort of thing when they're doing, well, look at that, these stupid reality shows people watch nowadays. I'm, you know, they don't want to air the stuff where people get along. They want to air the stuff where it's drama because that's where they think people are interested. Now, thanks to Peter Jackson, he changed that around. They, in the 1970 movie, all you saw was drama uh, and them yelling at each other, getting mad at each other. But in this one, I actually got to watch the Beatles' process of writing music. And that is the main thing that I was looking for when I started watching this thing. I loved the fact that I could see them uh, start just throwing out chords, have this basic idea when they walk in. And within, it seemed like only a couple hours, maybe a day, they've got a song worked out. Maybe the lyrics aren't all there, but there's a song. Ta-da! And it's, and it's a Beatles song. Of course it's going to be great. I mean, I'm sitting there. There, A lot of people have misconceptions about the movie Get Back because they're saying that was the uh, the Beatles recording of their last album. True, it was the last album that they released. In fact, the Beatles didn't want to release that album at all. They wanted to th- uh, throw it in the archives somewhere and forget it pretty much ever existed because uh, they watched the, the movie get back and were just like, no, this is not going to work. And they weren't getting along all that well. But after they recorded all the tracks for Let It Be, uh, Paul McCartney went back to George Martin, their producer, and said, we want to record one more album. 
And George was like, okay, so you want to record an album? Is everybody going to be there, including George? And Paul assured him, yes, George is going to be there. And so they recorded Abbey Road last, but Let It Be was released last. And the Let It Be sessions, uh, that was their last live performance, all four of them together. That's a common misconception. But, uh, you know, uh, you're you're probably sitting there going, ah, who cares? It's a Beatle album. But that that's just a record that I want to kind of set straight for a lot of people. But I'm sitting there watching them just throw out all the all these music that I've learned to grow with and love, and they're just doing it like they're like if I was typing a letter to my mom, and all they're doing is just sitting down. Well, this sounds good, do 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 do, do. and you know even during when they were in that movie studio doing it. Brilliant stuff was coming out, but since they were out of their element, things started to uh, rise. They were, uh, you know, tension because they realized that we're getting closer and closer to the date where we were supposed to do this live show, but we don't have as many songs written yet as we thought we would. And, you know, once tensions get up and uh, they're cold because they're uh, trying to, you know, work in a cold movie studio and it's really cold in January in England. And so, you know, people are getting angry and John is screwing around and Yoko is there. And so, yeah, George does eventually get frustrated and say, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm out because Paul's getting frustrated uh, because he wants the song to sound a certain way. George wants to kind of put his stamp on it. The, but George realizes that the picture that Paul McCartney has in his head isn't what George wants to do or is capable of. Because there's a couple times you hear George talk about, if you want it to be played like that, call Clapton. I, you know, I can't do that. But uh, eventually George just says, stands up, puts his coat on, gets his guitar and says, I'm leaving the band. And everybody's all of a sudden like, well, when? And George says, right now. And he walks out the door. And you ever lose a coworker like that? Somebody who you've worked with for a long time, you've had good times, you've had bad times, and just all of a sudden, they walk away from you. That's what it felt like to me. I mean, I've had coworkers who I did enjoy being around. Uh, I went and hung out with them. I've had arguments with them. We made up later, sure. But then all of a sudden they just said, I can't handle this anymore. I'm gone. And it hits you in the gut a little bit. And you can watch the Beatles go through the same thing. And at, it was at that point that I realized in the movie that without Brian Epstein, it was like, let's do a restaurant analogy to this. Say you have a manager to the restaurant. They are firm yet they let you do what they uh, what you want as long as you get the work done. And, you know, they point you in the right direction. They congratulate you when you do well. They help you out when you're doing bad. But then all of a sudden, one day they disappear. And, and so, and you don't have a new manager yet. So one of you or your coworkers 
kind of has to step up. And I kind of think that's what Paul was doing. He was all of a sudden decided, okay, I'm going to step up. I'm going to put this band on track. But unfortunately, you have other co-workers too who are thinking the same thing or not thinking about it at all. And, you know, truthfully, by that point, you know, Paul and John were just sitting there thinking, you know, what's what uh, what are you going to do? Well, I guess we'll have to split up George's parts. Uh, anybody got Clapton's phone number? Maybe he can come in and take George, take over George's spot. And the person I felt sorry for the most was Ringo, believe it or not, because Ringo, during pretty much majority of the documentary, he was just sitting there quietly. He was playing the drums when he was told to. He was taking notes from the other guys on how to play, how they wanted him to play the song. Sure. But really he was there and he was trying, you know, you know, he's there to keep the beat. He's the one that you go to, to keep everybody together. And Ringo is basically sitting there gobsmacked at times because of what's going on. And uh, I think George Martin uh, said it best during the sh- during the show. He s- basically said, "Okay, you guys have to realize when Paul writes a song, it's Lennon McCartney. When John writes a song, it's Lennon McCartney. When George writes a song, it's George, and nobody else." So it's it, it all came down to like, okay, you guys have to realize you are leaving him out. You are not giving him any creativity, and. It feels, and for him, it feels like uh, there's no use for me, so I'll just get out of here. I mean, we all have that one coworker that's in our bar that will kind of keep the peace between everybody. I mean, everybody's got their own differences. The bartender uh, feels like they're supposed to be in charge. The server who's worked there for a handful of, uh, handful of years more than the bartender thinks that they're automatically in charge just because they have seniority. And, uh, but then you got the dishwasher and the dishwasher, I'm not saying that Ringo Starr is a dishwasher or I'm not knocking down drummers at all, but the dishwasher is basically making sure that everything comes out nice. You have clean plates to put the food on and the cook is trying to come up with these meals in order to satisfy the customer. But it, you know, it, the, the responsibility goes every direction in a restaurant. And that's kind of where the Beatles were at at that point. Without Brian Epstein there to keep them on track, they were a mess. And I'm going to just get it out right now. The worst part of that entire series of, of the movie Get Back was the two minutes each, because it's a three-part series, two and a half hours each. But each part of the series had about a minute to two minutes of Yoko Ono screaming. And even I sat back and thought, did we have to add that? We, She has been the butt of every single Beatle joke ever written. And you still have to use that. Dear God. But when George left, you could see that John and Paul, they were just, well, Ringo too. They were just all, you know, at first they were like, uh, first let's solve the problem. What are we going to do without George? Because he's left the band. And eventually they came, you know, you see them completely break loose, just uh, beating up on their instruments and screaming and jumping around. They've, it looks like they've lost their minds. And 
uh, eventually they do give uh, George a little bit of time to think it over, but they eventually do get him to come back. And, but they decide, okay, we're done with the idea of working or trying to build up an album in a movie studio and build it up, build it up to a performance that's going to happen in there. Let's go to a regular studio. We'll work on the songs there. And we'll think about what uh, how we're going to do the live performance later. And once they get back into an actual studio, they were at Apple Core Studios in England. And once they got back into that situation, you could see at first that George was a little uneasy. He wasn't really talking to Paul all that much. But it seemed like that they were back in their element. They were just like, okay, I feel so much better now. It's warm in here. It's uh, now we're back in our creative, creative element. And George Martin, the Beatles producer finally shows up because you didn't, because somebody else was producing the let it be album at first, but then George Martin finally shows up and kind of in, in a way kind of reminded them uh, of the Epstein Epstein thing because uh, you know, he's just like, okay, guys, you're in a studio and it looks like crap in here. Cigarette butts everywhere, food wrappers everywhere, alcohol. And you know, you guys are a mess. And you know, this, this is all uh, fine and dandy, but, you know, clean, clean this up because this, is, this isn't how we run a studio. And nothing at all like what I would expect from a general manager who came in to fill for the regular manager's job. They come into the restaurant and sit back and say, oh, oh this is all wrong. You guys are doing it all wrong. Uh, okay, we're starting completely over. I can't believe how you guys have been doing this. And no, George Martin just uh, said, okay, guys, let's get back into a clean headspace and then let's get back to work. And I, I, in fact, one of my more favorite moments in once they got back to the recording studio, uh, they were screwing around a lot. And at one point, George Martin gets over the loudspeaker and uh, says, Hey guys, you're screwing around a lot, but I just want to remind you this audio tape that you're recording on costs two shillings a foot. And, you know, just reminding him that it's expensive studio time that they're wasting just by screwing around. But, you know, of course, they uh, uh, rebelled and said, it's not our money, it's EMI's money. The uh, the uh, the company that they were, uh, that distributes their music. I thought that was hilarious. But um, when I used to learn audio production, that was kind of the same thing. Uh, the, often the engineer or the producer uh, well, mostly the engineer would see the producer and the talent butting heads on how things should work. And then after an hour, uh, the engineer will stand up and say, Hey guys, I'm going to go out for a cigarette and I want to remind you guys real quick. I, you're paying me $1,200 an hour to run the studio. Be right back. So he goes out, has a cigarette and comes back and everybody's nothing but smiles and you know, good producers and engineers will do that. But I kind of noticed once they got back into the studio, the songwriting process got back to where it should be. They, the creative juices were flowing properly now. And think, and it drives me crazy because I've been uh, uh, kind of a music, musician for most of my life. I've played uh, guitar. I've played drums. I've played piano. 
And no music ever flowed out of me as naturally as it did for them when they were working together. And once they started playing music together, you could see the smiles in their face returning. And they were getting along. I mean, the 1970 movie, uh, they were button heads the entire time. But this time, it, this new movie that Peter Jackson put out, they were actually getting along. And, you know, through the whole thing, there was laughing, there was carrying on. Uh, they would play an old song that they used to like to play when they were kids. But then all of a sudden sit back and say, oh, I've got this song idea. Even the creative juices spilled over to Ringo. Now, uh, Ringo, here's a bit of Beatle trivia for you people who don't know, uh, know really. Ringo officially only wrote two songs for the Beatles. One song was called Don't Pass Me By and the other one was Octopus's Garden. And you actually got to watch Ringo, even the creative juices flow through him when he when they were recording the Let It Be album. And he was writing Octopus's Garden, and George was helping him out. And, his, and they were helping each other out. And I love that, the c collaboration. Because everybody who comes up to me and asks me, like any bar customer, come up to me and ask me who my, you know, once they find out that I'm a Beatle fan, they'll ask me, who's your favorite Beatle? And every time, I always told them, I like them all together as the Beatles. Sure, they had some great songs by themselves, but they were never as good to me by themselves as they were when they were a group. But you'll notice during the documentary, since they decided to have this uh, movie crew follow them around and watch everything that they do, uh, it starts that starts to get on their nerves too. I mean, uh, like James Hetfield and Metallica once said when they were recording this documentary year and a half in the life of Metallica, you can be sitting there playing this kick-ass riff that you'll either forget or never play as well again. Then all of a sudden the camera guy will trip over your guitar cord. Now, uh, Metallica had much more modern uh, camera work and stuff like that done for their movie. But uh, in Let It Be sessions, they had, you know, 16 millimeter cameras all over the place, constantly in their face. And this boom mic that shows up in shot constantly. It's hilarious when John and Paul are kind of having a little uh, little argument on how a song should go. Then they realize that boom mic is right above their heads. And then so they purposely start shouting at each other and making it worse because they know the boom mic is listening. It's... Funny, you know, they stare up at the camera. Well, I can't understand what you want, Paul. Whatever, John. And you know, they're and it, they carry on like that because they they th what a private conversation that they thought that we're having is being invaded by a microphone from the sky. Hey, bartender. Mint Mobile has reimagined the wireless shopping experience and made it way easier. There's no stores, no salespeople, no nonsense. Just a huge savings on the nation's largest, most reliable 5G network. With plans as low as $15 a month, you have unlimited talk, unlimited text, and you can find the perfect data plan that suits you. You can even bring your old phone if you're still used to it. Or if you want to get rid of your old phone and upgrade, Mint Mobile has a large selection of phones for you to choose from. Just follow the link for Mint Mobile in the description of this podcast. Check out the plans and the opportunities for you to save some money with your new wireless service. Go to 
ExxonMobil.com today. Hey, bartender. But despite what musical historians would probably talk about before that movie, uh, the documentary came out, the Beatles were actually still getting along, just not as well as they did. And it just seems like that they were kind of uh, in mourning for losing their ma- uh, manager that they'd had for years. And they were trying to find their own direction uh, without him. You know, it's kind of like, like I said, like your manager suddenly quits or whatever. And there's no manager to take their place right away. Or maybe you lose a family member, like, like your one of your parents. And you kind of have to sit back and say, okay, now what? Uh, I can't go to anybody, you know, nobody's going to point me in the right direction anymore. Nobody's going to help me out um, and make sure I stay on the straight and narrow. Uh, what do I do? So, yeah, that's kind of what I, what I took from it. But the best part is, you know, after watching them for hours come up with more songs than what they anticipated. Of course, a lot of the songs by the end of the sessions weren't complete yet. Uh, but they were like, let's just uh, let's just finish the album. And they said, well, we got to do the live performance. Uh, and, you know, they were thinking grand at first. Let's go do it in uh, Africa. Let's go do it here. Let's go do it on a boat. Let's go, you know. And, uh, you know, after a lot of people saying, we can't do that. George actually was the one that stayed level-headed and said, how are we going to pay for that? We'd have to ship all the fans out because if we perform these songs in another country, nobody's going to understand what we're saying. And uh, eventually the brilliant idea came up, well, why do we have to go anywhere? Let's just do it on the rooftop of Apple Corps and let's just do that. And there, there was a specific moment where that Peter Jackson actually enunciated in the movie where they mention it to Paul and all, all of a sudden Paul falls in love with the idea and you can see the smile just hit him and leading up to that performance they go up they check out the roof they're not exactly sure if they're able to play up there if the uh, the roof of the building will be able to handle all the weight of all their equipment and them but eventually you know, they get enough songs together that they're happy with and decide, okay, this is the day. Of course, it's weeks past what their original idea was. And because of whether they had to push it out even further, I'm sure that caused a lot of stress and anxiety too. But they eventually do make it up to the rooftop. The famous rooftop performance of them playing uh, I Dig a Pony, Get Back. You know, uh, if you don't know it, get on YouTube. Or just watch the documentary. But uh, they get up there and it's like watching them as young boys anymore. Because this is 1969 when they're doing this. They're not young bucks anymore. I mean, when they made it on the Ed Sullivan show, uh, all of them were in their early 20s. But when they got up to the rooftop, most of them, uh, you know, they're either 30 or getting close to 30. And... It was like watching them as teenagers again, you know, like the when they were the Silver Beetles or the Quarrymen, they get up, you know, they're they're nervous about taking the stage. They're like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? OK, hand them their instruments. They start playing. And it, it was like Brian Epstein uh, always told them when you're on stage, 
you smile you uh and you watch the audience they didn't bow or anything like that because nobody could see them they were too far onto the rooftop for anybody to see them but everybody down below could hear them and it caused a huge disturbance i loved that they had a uh, camera and a, a guy with a microphone running around saying uh do you like the music and they're like yeah i love it and the, do you know who that is and a lot of people were like yeah that's the beatles they recognized it right away and it was it was a new song that they didn't know but they automatically knew it was the beatles they're like oh that's paul mccartney's voice of course it's the beatles and you know i love that but of course you got even back in 1969 you had your proverbial karens that started getting upset because people are we're trying to run a business here and they're making loud music up on there it's uh just it's awful it's disturbing uh, they shouldn't be doing that and of course somebody called the police uh and well one one of the police officers claimed we've received 30 complaints in only a few minutes and eventually the police didn't make it up make it up to the rooftop but they were warned don't go out onto the roof otherwise they're going uh you know we don't know if it'll support everybody's weight they even tried unplugging the amplifiers just to, and I think it was just to get the Beatles' attention, but the Beatles just plugged back in as if nothing ever happened. And, uh, you know, they finished the song that they were playing at that point in time. And I think, is that kind of funny? Uh, I, <laughs> I date back to 1969, the proverbial Karen. That's kind of funny, isn't it? But it was a really cool moment to see them up on a rooftop they nobody can see them really but everybody can hear them and they haven't played live together for three years because they all of a sudden decided we're only going to work in the studio for a little while they uh they, and everything was happy for them you could see him smiling while they were up on stage like it was like a regular everyday performance like they were back on the ed sullivan show or performing in front of the queen and you know it was uh actually an amazing moment and everybody thinks that it stopped right there. But uh, thanks to Peter Jackson, uh, they rec only recorded a few songs on the rooftop while George Martin was laying down the tape down in the studio um, all the way on the ground floor of Apple Corps and while they were on the rooftop. Uh, but everybody thinks once they left the rooftop, that was it. They went all went their separate ways. You can see in the uh in the documentary where they just basically said well we were only able to do those songs let's go down in the studio finish the rest and for the documentary let's just pretend that we weren't able to do it anymore on, up on the roof and we had to finish in the regular studio and they polished up a few more songs and were able to get as many tracks as they wanted for the let it be sessions and uh, you know it it's for me just watching them together and watching them get those creative juices going and coming up with what years and years later we still all refer to as brilliance is uh, what makes it all great for me. I mean, they came up with those songs live and just played it, you know, and did, you know, kept doing over and over, um, kept doing the takes over and over until they came up with something that they liked. Nowadays, you don't do that anymore. All these uh, recording artists, I don't care who you want to talk about. Uh, well, there, of course, maybe a couple exceptions like the Foo Fighters. But 
it's all cut and splice. They, uh, they sing a bar of a song over and over and over, and then they go back later and say, which bar do we like the best? That one. Okay, that's going to be that part of the song. Okay, we're gonna and we're gonna take this part of the song, put it here. This part of the song, put it here. Down to like even the snare hit. The snare sounded good right here. Let's loop it over and over and over so it sounds like it's always been there. That's the way it's played. All the music, uh, popular music made in the last thirty years has been pretty much that. Uh, they cut and splice everything. It's to reduce studio time, I'm I'm sure. It's to cut costs, I'm sure. But it loses personality. And the Beatles music is loaded with personality. You can hear their personality coming out of it. To me, sometimes I can even hear the smile off their face as they're playing it. But to come up with 14 songs or more, that because a lot of the songs you uh saw on that were for basically two albums both for let it be and for um abbey road and to come up with all of those songs in the period of a, of a month some of them sure not completed but to come up with all those songs in a month i mean there are a lot of bands out there that take up to a year to come up with uh enough songs for their next album I mean, you know, sure, they take maybe take some time off here and there. But when it comes down to the writing process, I mean, the Beatles used to release an album. You know, what was the longest length of time that they released an album? Like a year, two years, maybe. You know, some of you guys have been waiting for a new, uh, new album from your favorite band for probably five by now. I remember one uh, in one documentary I saw when they were writing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, somebody made a uh, some kind of comment in the news saying the Beatles are done. They haven't released anything, not even a single, in six months. And they ran down Paul McCartney and said, said it's been almost a year since you've released an album. Are the Beatles done? Are the Beatles washed up? And Paul's just like, oh no, we're working on something big. You just watch. And then out comes Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And, you know, that was a huge turn for the Beatles going from writing basic rock and roll to uh, playing with psychedelia and adding orchestral instruments to their music. But uh, it's, you know, they they did a lot of hard work. How many bands can you see in your head right now that between, let's like the Beatles were together, uh, let's say 1960 to 1970, 10 years they released uh, a dozen albums, whole mess of singles. And how many of the bands do you know of that come out nowadays did that much in 10 years that uh, that the Beatles did? Now, some of you probably aren't big fans of the Beatles, but I totally endorse, I'm not getting paid to say this. Disney, unfortunately, is not paying me to say this, and neither is Peter Jackson. But... The Beatles' Get Back documentary is an amazing look into watching people's creative juices flow. Problems come up, and but good times are had. And it's you see that not only in the music industry, but you see it everywhere in life. It, uh, you, some of you probably just don't realize it because 
they're musicians, they're larger than life, they're, uh, or even the s- smallest musicians that don't ever get to make an album, they just play bars uh, their whole life, they're happy. And the creative juices are flowing. You can even see that in your teammates that you work with at the bar. You, uh, when you're working with the bartender, the server, you're all friends. Uh, even with the cook and dishwasher, the hostess, host, or manager, whatever. You're all friends. You don't get along from time to time. And sometimes you have to just get up and leave. Sometimes you come back and everything's cool. But eventually you got to move on with your life. And, you know, there's a lot of information to be taken from that uh, from that documentary. It is eight hours, eight hours long, which, you know, he took six, uh, Peter Jackson took 60 hours and compressed it into an eight hour film. But uh, it's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, because I've always, in my opinion, I've always wanted to see the Beatles creative juices flowing. I mean, I've heard stories. Sure. Like, Oh yeah, we were sitting right here and we, uh, decided to write love me do, or, uh, we were uh, all of a sudden one day I was walking down the street and then I got this idea, woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. And, you know, uh, and you know, it's just, I sit there and I go, how do they do that? I still sit here and say, how the hell did they do that? Because, uh, unfortunately, I don't possess that kind of talent that they have. I wish I had a little bit of it, but, well, in some cases, I might have a little bit of it. Uh, but, uh, of course, like uh, anybody else, they, we want some of that talent. We want more of that talent. You know, kind of kind of a doctor, what, what happened in that Doctor Strange version, uh, Doctor Strange episode of uh, Marvel's What If, you know. If you saw that, if you haven't seen that, watch that too. But, uh, yeah. So basically what you just sat through for this podcast, some of you probably were hoping to hear bartender stories, uh, or things that have happened, uh, in the bar industry. But this is basically what somebody would have to go through. If they asked me today, what did you think of the Beatles documentary on Disney plus? And, uh, it you know truth being told this is extremely summed up I only went over the more important parts that I could think of uh, instead of getting into the real nitty-gritty because I could I could talk about that movie longer than the movie is and but if somebody if you a, a customer came up to me as a customer sat down at my bar and said, Hey, what'd you think of the Disney Plus uh, series about the Beatles? And that is basically the story that you would get from me. You probably wouldn't get a, much of a word in uh, while I'm talking, but I would have nothing but a smile on my face as I'm talking about it. Because when you're behind the bar, you got to have your favorite subjects in mind because uh, sometimes you can't follow the customer in their interests. You just don't know anything about it. And if you're like me, you don't want to pretend you know anything about it because you don't want to mislead the customer. You don't want to insult them by going, I'm sorry, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. But when people know you, like my customers knew me, 
they'll come to you and ask you various questions or want to know certain things. Or if they have a story to share, share, they'll share it with you. And then your knowledge base grows even bigger. And that's part of the fun of getting to know your customers and your customers getting to know you while you're behind the bar. So, um, anyway, uh, this is supposed to be a short episode anyway. So, uh, it's last call, last call for alcohol people, uh, drink them up or I'm getting Maxwell Silverhammer. Special thanks to the Beatles for uh, being inspiration for everything in my life. It doesn't have to be just about music. It can be about anything, life, love, whatever. Uh, thanks to the customers that I used to bartend for that used to entertain me by letting me talk about music, talk about the Beatles, talk with me about the Beatles. Uh, I greatly appreciate every single one of you for you guys. You really brought me out of my shell and got me to be able to communicate better with my customers. And remember guys, if you want to follow Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is jump on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. Every single one of them. I somehow managed to get that on all four social or three social medias. If you want to email me, it's dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. If you want to be on the show, uh, you've got some stories to share, you want to promote yourself a little bit, or you just want to hang with me, uh, email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. I love having guests on the show. Um, it's all about promoting you. It's all about supporting the service industry. And remember people, you want your customers to come back every night, uh, because you like their company because they pay you. Uh, so make sure that your customers drink responsibly, uh, responsibly. I'm not drunk. You are, and you want them to, uh, get home safe so they can come back and see you again. And also remember, people, if you go on out and have a drink after your shift, where we all do it, make sure you take care of yourselves, and so because we want to see you back behind the bar the next or serving tables the next day, and in as good a shape as you showed up the day before. Safety is very important, people. So uh, until the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's last go? I just got hit.